0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin.
0: I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ludicrous amount of comics that have come out this week. Kicking it, off, up. Up. kicking it off with Ant-Man number one from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Tom Riley. This is kicking off the, I believe, 60th anniversary celebrations for Ant-Man. And as you might expect for that, also giving this team is a jaunt to the past, but also a look forward to the future. I was personally totally surprised by this book did not see it coming and easily it became one of my favorites of the week but what about you guys
2: oh agreed i was really impressed with the old school feel of it it was uh, it's like dipping yourself in nostalgia comics uh, it was so fun such a smart cool choice i had a blast with it super impressive
1: I mean, a lot of books try to dip into the nostalgia thing and and loop in some old continuity in a way where it's like, look how clever we're being. This one felt like it was started with a great nod to the future, did the the deep dip into the continuity and sort of uh, bringing in a golden age feeling story. But absorbed it all in a way that I think was a deeper dive than I I expected. And I really enjoyed it. I love the fact that the whole adventure only happened because Ant-Man was trying to roast some kids who threw some popcorn at him in a movie theater. Well, and also
0: I think this is a level of respect that we haven't come to expect from Ant-Man in years. You know, we've had Scott Lang. We've had – I'm blanking on the name of the evil Ant-Man, the guy who's turned out to be like Black Ant or whatever – Uh, Eric O'Grady, is that who it is? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I think it's Eric O'Grady.
0: Yeah. So who are great characters, but it's been a purposefully goop character for probably nigh on a decade now, and given the movies, it's been the same sort of thing. So to dive back into Hank Pym and treat it as this serious character, who also Hank Pym has been a villain or skirting the line of being a villain for a very long time. I I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, the <laughs> I thought was great. Like that was actually very surprisingly refreshing. And it looks like we're going to get a jaunt through Ant Man history over the course of this four issue series. I have gone from not even knowing this was going to exist to highly anticipating the second issue.
1: It's like a Hell, quantum yeah. mania, you know.
0: There you go. Next up, another one that I was very excited about personally, Superman Space Age, number one from DC Comics, written by Mark Russell, art by Mike and Lara Allred. And if you wondered what it would be like if that team ever did New Frontier, I have great news for you.
1: Here yeah. it is. I mean, shout to this team. Mark Russell, a writer we really love, who can somehow um, combine... Like really fun and funny ideas with like really poignant and emotional, deep-reaching ideas. Uh, teamed up with All Reds. like this is just win, 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 win. Skirt.
2: Yeah, I mean, first off, we got to back up the truck and talk about the covers. Some really creative, really yeah, fun. Gotta covers. talk yeah. about
1: the covers.
2: Bananas art, great story. I mean, it's long, but you know, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck here. Uh, it just just feels like kind of a classic Superman story
1: uh, told with just some amazing uh, uh, art leading the way. There's one panel I want to talk about real quick where um, Clark in his sort of farmer overalls takes off uh, flying from the porch. And yeah. it's rare to see like flying characters, specifically Superman and be like, oh, that I'm worried a little bit or that's a little that doesn't. makes sense. That's a little stressful. There's something about the way this panel is drawn by the All Reds where, like, you feel like it's hard for him to fly. Like, it takes a little bit of extra effort. And I just haven't seen that in so long. And and it's um, Martha shouting Clark right as he jumps off the porch. It was great. It really added a weight and a reality to this story that I, I thought was cool.
0: Next up, Book of Shadows, number one from Valiant Comics, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Vicente Cofentes. This is kicking off a big crossover between the magic characters in the Valiant universe, led by Shadow Man, but including, um, I wanted to say Lady Smith, Black Babazo, but it's Pump <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Mumble.
1: see them pop up. Uh, yeah.
0: And Dr. Mirage, and a new one I'm not entirely familiar with, uh, but... What do you think uh, about Persephone, this book?
1: Persephone, let's shout out Persephone, who's in here. Yeah. Um, and then later on, because uh, I love the introduction of this character, uh, Punk uh, Mambo, Punk Mambo, Mambo. Doctor Mirage, yeah, and the Ladies, Eternal Warriors Smith, Smith, in
0: there. Lady Smith, Black Mambo, that's her name. Yeah,
1: Lady so Lady Smith, Black Punk Mambo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you think,
1: What do you uh, think about this book?
2: Well, it's a lot. There's a lot going on, but I, you know, I'm a, I'm a shadow man head. So I was super happy to see my boy in here whooping some ass. Uh
0: This is a cool <laughs> team up. This is a cool crossover. Man yeah. What, and, have, what have you mentioned that before? Just real quick. We've been doing this podcast for a while. What have you mentioned that you're a real shadow man guy? I've always said I'm a shadow man Yeah. Okay Yeah. us just
1: say Fucking shadow man head sounds weird You're a man head <laughs> You're a sh- man head or a shadow head Are you a man head? All I'm is- saying is this is the first I've heard about it So
2: No, this is the first time I've worded it weirdly But uh, I've always said it <laughs> So right. go up yourself I feel like this is a good first issue Bringing a lot of different elements Getting you excited for more
1: Um, I I feel like Valiant Comics right now are doing a great job of bringing their – like the 90s comic book universe style storytelling up into the future, Uh, a a type of comic book storytelling that I miss where it's like – Uh, All the characters are posturing a little bit, especially in this issue, in a cool way. Where, like, when Punk Mambo walks in, I'm like, like, she's a badass from the jump. And we don't have, we don't get into dealing with like origin or anything. She just shows up. She's like, did anybody want to see me here or something like that? And I'm just like, yes, I love that type of like, just going hard all the time. And so much is happening. I appreciate this comment.
0: And this is, I think, pretty definitively better than Blair Witch 2, which was also called Book of Shadows.
1: Right? What? Oh, great. What a definitive take. <laughs> Suck it, Blair Witch 2. You are you just got burnt by uh, the Roastmaster General himself, Alexander <laughs> Zalvin.
0: <laughs> Public domain number two from Image Comics by Chip Sidarski. The first issue introduced a writing and art team from back in the day who created a character who isn't exactly Superman, but they, uh, they created Superman and the writer got all the credit. The artist doesn't get any of the money, but still comes out to the premieres and everything. And his two sons who have headed in different directions in life at the end of the first issue through a series of events, he found out that he may actually own all the rights to the characters. That's what we're dealing with in this issue. I'll tell you what, I I really love this book. Like I love how deep it's diving into the comic book industry. But I was very surprised that we didn't dive into this conflict in the second issue. There's a little bit of a pause here as everybody figures their stuff out, and I kind of appreciated that. Uh, now I know oh, wow. Justin, you were a little trepidatious about the first issue, and I think. It doing this in particular. So how'd you feel about this?
1: Well, I wasn't trepidatious about the, uh, the first issue. I was like, I don't know how we're going to move forward with this because it felt very much like sort of on-off switch, like either they're going to make a bunch of money and get the rights back, and it sort of is that – Uh, comic book writers fantasy fulfilled of like finally being given due for their creative endeavor or they weren't and it was going to be just super depressing and tragic the whole time what I think Chip Zdarsky does so well here does take a pause on that sort of narrative thrust and puts in a ton of emotional underpinning both with the wife and the sons of our comic book writer which I thought was so cool there's a great conversation that um he and his wife have in bed. oh my god she, like, it was
2: fucking heartbreaking man i
1: loved it where she's like hey you have you have you don't have one creation at stake here you have three you yeah. a comic book character and your two sons and you need to give them all the same due and i was like yeah this it was just really well done of like taking the creative process and bringing attaching it to the way sort of we as people exist in the real world and combining those two together i thought was great
2: Yeah, it really felt like it was Justin's wife talking to Justin and being like, listen, not only do you have two daughters, but you also have your Gabriel show that you need to work on, too. So, like, (laughs) you got to spread yourself super thin and really give your all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Shout out to 101 Places Um, uh, currently airing on True TV. Please check it out. 100 Places to Party Before You Die at 10:30 Thursday nights. Give it a watch so that I can keep caring for my children as Pete is demanding and seemingly talking to my wife about something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's our review of public domain number
2: two. Moving on to I I just would yeah I wanted to say that the wife conversation really stressed me the fuck out, but it was also beautiful and and it's interesting the pace that this uh, comic is going. about but also what it's dealing with and i'm glad we're not kind of rushing through it it's nice to see them sitting in these weighty moments uh yeah this is this is some powerful stuff a lot of times when people are like oh i don't like
0: superhero comics what do you recommend this is great you should check this out The Amazing Spider-Man number six, aka 900 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, Daniel Kibblesmith, Jeff Loveness, and Dan Slott. Art by Ed McGuinness, David Lopez, Tad Nock, and Marcos Martin. As usual with the Marvel books, this is the sixth issue of the new Amazing Spider Man, but overall it's the ninth, hundredth issue ever published. So here we get Spider Man tangling with the new iteration and the classic iteration of the Sinister Six, as well as a couple of backup stories. What'd you guys think about this one?
1: Zeb Wells, more like Web Zellsman, a great comic book. Because <laughs> I thought this was fantastic. Great way of distilling down the value of Spider-Man, something that has happened over and over again. I mean, truly, Dan Slott lives and dies of being like Spider-Man, telling us who Spider-Man is. And this was such a nice sort of um, different way of doing a remix on those ideas and coming at it from a completely cold outside source, yet still selling us on Spider-Man and who he is, and while also having a great action issue with the Sinister Six uh, slash Seven I thought this was one of the better Spider-Man comics I've read in a long time.
2: Yeah, I was really impressed by this. This is a huge issue. So much goes down. Uh, I almost feel like they need more people on the team to tell the story. But I, all joking aside, this is this was crazy. This was a lot of fun. And <laughs> over the aside. Yeah,
0: wait, what was the joke there? What the joke
2: mean? was they got like 80 people on this oh, fucking okay, team okay, already. Okay. You don't need any more. Uh, but, yeah, I was
0: really impressed with all that went down. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I expected something sort of more momentous in terms of the ongoing plot of Spider-Man. We've been dealing with some sort of terrible thing that he did back in the day, and so I thought we were going to really delve into that. Instead... Like you're saying, Justin, like you're saying, Pete, we really got just this realignment of who Spider-Man is and what he means in a very fun throwback old school story. I loved it. I'll also give a shout out to Daniel Kibblesmith and David Lopez's backup story yes. about Spider-Man also returning good. some books to the library. Just oh, my God. That was fun. hilarious. That was hilarious. I had such a good time. And very it's, good. It's a, it's a short one, but Dan Slott and Marcos Martin is a... Oh, chef's kiss I mean, come on. team
1: together. So good. Next oh, up, uh, Zeb Wells, more like Zeb Wells done on that comic we talked about. <laughs> yeah, you can that.
0: Uh, DC back, number one from DC Comics written by Kenny Porter, art by Baltimore Rivas. This is a riff on the DC world where everybody, as you could probably tell from the title, has mech suits, uh, instead of just their superpowers. And uh, there's also giant monsters. So it's basically Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but set in the
1: DC universe. What'd you guys think about this one? What about robots is what I thought, because that's what this comic was saying. Uh, I Yeah, I just, yes, please. This is
2: fun. Uh, DC meets Mac. Yes, great, awesome. I just want more giants fighting each other, but this was a great setup for
1: cool stuff to come. I really like the way they went sort of back and started this in um, 1945, Golden Age uh, era, and really brought it forward. Gave us a little justification before it was just like, hey, what if their arms were metal and stuff?
0: The Can I give you my one hesitation with this book, which otherwise is a lot of fun, and Please. the art is very good? Why are they still wearing their costumes inside the back suits? That's the only he, thing— just for the job you most, want, Alex. Exactly, just for the enough. job you want. Because there's still Batman underneath, us. Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying, like, Superman you is wearing... Clearly, you want Flash in sweatpants? You sweatpants? Superman is clearly wearing an anime-inspired mech costume. Like, he is dressed appropriately. Batman so and Flash are just Batman and Flash, but they're also in Batman and Flash robots. I'm Let just them saying, wear what they want. Get your story straight.
1: That's all I'm saying. And just so you know... At, Alex makes us dress like podcast hosts every time we get on here, and I'll tell you what—I'm sick of this dress code. Yeah, just let
0: me wear a three-piece suit like I want to. Exactly,
1: I, I'm sick of wearing a, a t-shirt with a loose button on the top and some sort of <laughs> short and no shoes. I want to dress to impress. Yeah, I, I want to bring back my this pocket square.
0: I Hate This Place, number three, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, yeah. art by Art Yum Toplin. In this issue, our characters who have inherited a, the most haunted, horrifying house and lands oh. of the world <laughs> call it a ghost hunter who helps them deal with stuff, maybe? Uh, man, I, this book is so good. I know I, I mentioned with the... First issue that was missing a little of the Kyle Starks humor, but they have found the perfect balance by issue three with the absolute horror that's happening here and the humor at the same time. I'm having a blast.
1: I agree completely. And just to add on to that, I think the way the main characters dealt with the horror, the first two issues, and now they're like, I don't know. It's scary. Ghost Hunter. What do you think? You're the expert. Like they're so over it. And I love that because it's, Still, the most terrifying ghost situation in the world. I worked on a ghost show a few years ago, yeah, and when did. this ghost guy came in, I was like, "I know that guy.
2: I know <laughs> that fucking guy," because he line produced everything he said. Uh, I, I this is so fucking stressful. Um but uh really how many ghosts perf- are outside your house right now, Pete? <laughs> Just standing there. Uh, uh hopefully there's a couple listening to the podcast. Uh, but shout uh, out to our def- ghost
0: listeners. Yeah. Get your unfinished
1: business done. It pass I'm on to the next life.
0: Seems that way from our listener numbers. Oh. Wow,
1: Alex, get out of here
2: with
0: that time. <laughs> oh
2: man. Oh no.
0: Are we, uh, doing, really oh, are we doing bad? No, uh, do, we're doing great. We're doing great. Oh. Love our listeners Uh, But Uh, this book is great I I, know I just wanted to mention I love how sweaty The Ghost Hunter is There's such a little detail But like He's so sweaty The
1: entire issue And it's very funny Let me back that up Truth That's 100% truth The, The art's great too
0: Something is Killing the Children, number 25, for Boob Studios, written by Jamestown Fourth, art by Werther Del Daria. This is a big anniversary issue of the book, and here we get some big stuff going down as the member of the House of Slaughter. Well, actually, I think she's part of another house, but let's just say she is, who is coming after our main character, Erica, finally reveals herself to our hero at the same time as there's monster fights going on. Pete, you love this one. Talk about it.
2: Yeah, I mean this you know this is the the one where it gets it gets a little a little too creepy with the the bugs and and that kind of stuff uh but other than that it's just continues to be intense and unbelievable art.
1: I mean same this this book continues I know i 've been sort of the a little hesitant on this book because not enough stuff is happening, but I think this arc specifically is moving it forward. I think that I really love the change in perspective here, and yeah. um the dread is escalating, which is what I like dread to be doing.
0: The variants number two for Marvel, written by Gal Simone, art by Phil Noto. in this issue, Jessica Jones is confronting several variants of herself while wrestling with the fact that the purple man might once again be in oh, her head. Dude. Pete, what do you think about this one? You seem uh upset. Yeah, yeah, this
2: is like <laughs> so upsetting and all the creepy ways. Um I'm really impressed with the the storytelling and how this is moving forward and kind of like Uh, what Jessica Jones is going through and what it means if the, uh, the purple man's back and how she's kind of pushing people away. And uh, again, like
1: Luke Cage is the fucking man, dude. Justin, what did Uh, you think about this one? Yeah. I mean, the introduction of Luke Cage is very dope in this comic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really like that. Yeah. Um, And I do like, like we talk a lot or I talk a lot about getting inside characters heads in comics. And I think this comic is a lot about that. A hundred percent because I like that. I like being in heads. Um, that can live – this comic can live in my head rent-free is what I uh. say about living in other people's heads rent-free. Um, it, it would be great to live rent-free, but I do think <laughs> um, this uh, this comic what
2: a dream. Gets, us,
1: gets us in Jessica Jones' head in a great way despite the fact that we're also dealing with multiple versions of her across the board – and I just love the sort of internal monologue she's having throughout this issue in response to super teams forming, um, talking to She-Hulk, dealing with like these existential crises and essentially just being a parent and um, a partner to Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yep. Good stuff. Action
0: Comics 1045 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Will Conrad and David Lapham. In this issue, some big things go down on Warworld as Superman and his allies are starting to fight back against Mongol. Justin, you've been a huge fan of this run in particular. What'd you think about this?
1: I love this run. And we, I don't know if everyone's heard this, but we just dropped a new segment in our live show where Alex drops a new myth each week, which mm-hmm. is going to be yeah. fun. But I want to say the way the PKJ, Philip Kennedy Johnson Superman run here, um, Action Comics run, has been a new Superman myth. There's a great panel in this where uh, two kids are like, Can we come to Earth? And Superman's like, Do you want, would you want, would, want to? He's like, Really? And, Yeah, it's really great. And it's just Philip K. Johnson finds these great small Superman detail moments in the middle of like wild war world, like alien fighting, alien prison horror nonsense. And he finds these great, just super small detail moments that I just Mm -hmm love every one of them and no other writer in recent memory is doing that with superman i think can, so I, I, can I give this. a quick shout out i want to turn
0: it back to you pete but i just don't want to forget this uh, i also i don't think we give enough credit to will conrad on art here because the way that he draws superman and vacillating yeah. between these enormous alien action scenes and just the softness in superman's face like when he's talking to these kids is really beautiful so uh, good. pete over to you Okay,
2: yeah, I I just think this is just such solid build up. The tension is crazy. I read the the last kind of panel, and I was like, "Oh shit, it is on now." This is such a fun issue, and yeah, uh,
0: Philip Kennedy Johnson is killing the fucking game. Sins of the Black Flamingo, number two from Image Comics, written by Andrew Wheeler, art by Travis Moore. This involves a. A murky morality dude who lives in Florida and investigates supernatural mysteries. He found an angel, the last issue, and that's what he's dealing with this issue. This book is so good. Yeah. The end. (laughs) I mean, Travis
1: Morzart, like, this is a sexy book. This book Mm -hmm. exudes horniness and just general, like, sex I
0: Can I throw something out at you? I feel like it's uh, Greg Land used for good.
1: Yeah, that's, exa- I was thinking like Greg Land, but not annoying, you know, <laughs> like Greg Land without being like, oh, I see that you watched an episode of Friends and drew the characters into this comic. <laughs> like this feels like it is like a little bit, it, it, I believe these people as opposed to feel and I like Greg Land's art, Yeah, me um, too. but it does feel like he's cribbing a little bit. And this, the Travis Moore art feels like it is uh, native to itself in a good way.
2: I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is why I'm scared of Florida. It's like anyone, anytime someone gets near water, I'm like, a crocodile is going to jump on butt your arm. Uh, but yeah, this is such a what about the snake? The snake is what caught me off guard. Well, I mean, there's a lot that's happening. I mean, there's fucking parrots that you got to look out for. But I, I, uh, I agree. This is a really fun book, really fun character. And this, uh, is very
1: creative and, and uh, badass. Uh, great last. Panel last page, which was one so panel. good. Uh, like did I not love see the that text, category. didn't see it coming. I love the text on the image as well. Really good.
0: The mm-hmm. Vampire Slayer, number four, from Boob Studios, written by Sarah Galley, art by Poost. This is uh, continuing the adventures of Willow, is now the Vampire Slayer. As we get an inkling about in this issue, it seems like something has changed in reality, things are not all right. But like we did last issue with that. Uh, emoji demon or emoji worm or whatever it was in the graveyard. I think what this run is doing so well is diving into like very classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer type demons. And here we get one where they're just at a pasta restaurant that serves weird pasta on bread and stuff. Creepy pasta? (laughs) Creepy pasta. I had so much fun reading this issue. I just had a good time and I don't know the last time that I've had a good time reading about Buffy comic books. So that made me very happy. And so I you, think
1: the lesson is what you're saying there, like leaning into the monster of the week, sort of the black mirror e take on stuff, I think really helps this book to elevate while they're also doing sort of the underlying like Willow as Slayer and what the ramifications of that for a larger continuity look but it's not mired. I think in the past, I at least have been like, this feels mired by the like us thinking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a show and as a comic and what it all means. And this just feels like it's having fun. Four
2: dollars and fifty cents for fresh basil? You out of your mind? Like, okay, breadcrumbs, crumbs, dollar fifty. Okay, sure, sure. Mini meatballs, six dollars. That makes sense. But four fifty for, for
1: fresh basil? It's Come fresh. On. It's fresh basil, Pete.
2: Well, yeah, I get it. So this is a fun, like, hey, w- w- isn't it cool hanging out at the food court with your friends, just talking and eating pasta? Yeah, I-, I love it. But then the kind of amped up
0: to the monster kind of the week reveal. This is cool. Captain America Symbol of Truth, number three from Marvel, written by Toki Anyabuchi, art by RB Silva and Zay Carlos. In this issue, Sam has been taken to Latveria to face down with Doctor Doom along with Deadpool. Tell you what, that gets resolved pretty quickly, and then they're on to the next <laughs> thing. Uh, Pete, what'd you think about this one? I mean, come on,
2: this is such a fun team. You got uh, you know the cap here with Deadpool. You know you're gonna you're gonna have fun at the 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 side cracking that's going on. Yeah, I, I love the build up for this. The kind of uh, where things are heading is very exciting. Art is really great, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited to get more.
1: I, I feel like in a lot of books where Deadpool guest stars, Deadpool takes over, yeah. even if it's not the character, but the Deadpool like mentality like overwrites the the narrative and the the sort of writing style and tone. And I feel like this book did a great job of not doing that and letting Sam Wilson still be the star. I really like sort of the espionage angle this book is taking without getting too much into. Almost like, like I think Sam says in the book that the Captain America shield is a burden a bit in this particular adventure. And I like that as a take for a comic right now. Oh, yeah.
0: But- Batman One Dark Knight, book three from DC Comics by Jock. This is wrapping up a, what was it, 12 blocks, 18 blocks, but with Batman, where he needs to make his way along Gotham City with a new character who is a human EMP and get him to the other side. It all goes down here. I really love this book. I think this is really worth picking up in trade. It was intense. Jock's art is always awesome. I think it wrapped up really nicely. This is one of the better black label books. What was your guys' take?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I really thought this was a great arc, really fun ending, and just kind of like a a cool, touching Batman moment where he's just kind of like, sometimes you just need someone looking out for you.
1: Fucking amazeballs art. Fucking amazeballs. But agree, the action, reading it all in one, I think, will really flow together well. Uh, Lots of great art, lots of great, like, look at me, let's fight uh, moments. uh, So very fun.
0: Beware the Eye of Odin, number two from Image Comics, written by Doug Wagner, art by Tim Odlen. In this issue, our adventurers are attacked by a bunch of trolls, as we left it with the last issue. They have had the Eye of Odin stolen from them. They made some new allies this issue and go through some new iterations with their weapons. This is a very fun book, I think. You expect intensity from Norse mythology-inspired stuff. But here, there's a lot of goofiness going on at the same time. I really like the balance. Pete, you're nodding your head. What was your take on this?
2: I'm nodding in agreement. Yeah, I really love the action in this. Nodding in agreement. Great news.
0: uh, I
2: I love how action-driven this is. The... Once you think you're kind of out of the woods and then there's more uh, troubles to be had. So uh, they do a great job of just raising the stakes every couple of pages. Uh, Yeah, this is a total blast. And also, you know, the classic example of like
1: if you get like a sweet axe, you know, you got to be careful because that axe can drive you mad. Pete, I honestly ask, when we tape our podcast, are you holding an axe that makes you unwilling to stop being angry? Like it feels like the that maybe that's the when I've read this, that energy really carried through to some of the stuff we've done on our show. Uh, uh, listen, I, I've talked to you about this before, but never ask me about my axe. Oh. Uh, well, I mean it's on camera constantly. It's like right there. So it's hard to mm-hmm. not like if you see someone holding an axe, it's like do I have one question ask me about my ex
0: your ex wife <laughs> Well, anyway, this book is very good. Why don't we move on to The House of Slaughter, number seven from Boom Studios, written by James Todd the Fourth and Sam Johns, a script by Sam Johns, Art by Letizia Catanici. In this issue, we're continuing to follow a very different story involving the House of Slaughter. Here we get a character who is traveling on a boat. This all feels very Lovecraftian to me in terms of yep. being very interior. It's very different from the first arc but I love the art and I love the way it's playing out. Uh, How do you guys feel about it?
1: Uh, I mean, I agree with you. Like it is a big sort of change across the board, but uh, that's what I like. I like this book a lot. And I've said in the past that I've been appreciating this book even more than the main uh, flagship book uh, because of the sort of different looks into the world. And the fact that we are getting an even more different look than what we saw in the first arc, I really like, and I like uh, where it's going. I, fleshing out this world is fun and something I've been wanting in the main title.
2: Yeah, I, I mean I, I'm not going to shit on the main title like Justin does, not but the, not it, shitty.
1: It, uh, it like, you know, I,
2: I just think the it's is great. It continues to be great. The art is fucking bananas, and uh, yeah, I, I love every single issue that comes out.
0: Iron Cat, number two from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Pere Perez. Here, we're getting a story in two timelines as the black cat deals with the old paramour of hers, who now has a iron cat suit of the title. And she's teaming up with Tony Stark. Justin, I know you're a big fan of this title. What'd you think?
1: Uh, Jed McKay has been just operating in a whole nother universe with Black Cat and all of the ancillary titles and spinoffs that have come out of that. Um, I love all of these. This one's great. Fleshing out uh, a relationship with uh, that Black Cat had back in the day and making it really relevant. She's fucking with Tony Stark in a beautiful way. And there's just a great metaphor that runs through this whole story about what it's like to be a thief that, I just think this writing is at another level and if you have been reading any of these just pick up one of them because it's very good. How about this one?
2: Hey, how about this one? Yeah, I agree. Uh you know, this is a lot of Black Cat fun which is great. Uh good just uh just position for uh Iron Man. It's called a Justin yeah. position. Nope. No, I refuse to do that. Nothing to call with a Justin uh, position. Also uh Fun smooch to ruin here. So uh yeah, it's a classic uh, Marvel art.
0: Fun smoocheroo, deadly class number fifty-four from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. This is, I believe, the penultimate issue of this book. Is next issue the last issue? Is Seems that correct? Like it, something like that. Justin looks like you're looking that up, but this is the most meta issue ever. As we follow, among other things. Marcus finally selling his science fiction book to a network. And basically what you're getting here, I'm going to spoil stuff about the book, but basically the science fiction book that he's written is clearly Fear Agent, which is the big book that broke Rick Remender out. However, the experience that Marcus goes through is clearly what Rick Remender went through selling Deadly Class to sci-fi Instead of some sort of network that he thought would have been more appropriate than that, uh, it is basically Rick Remender self-inserting himself with Marcus. Maybe he's been doing that all along. I think that's been pretty clear, but it's even more clear in this issue. But wildly self-referential. What do you guys think about this?
2: Yeah, I mean the part where you, uh, you Rick Remender, like it seems like. They drew him in as uh, the fear agent in the costume coming out of the trailer was just this moment where the combo character has its mouth open and I felt like I was doing that exact same look. Uh, So, yeah, just like. Yeah, it gets meta, but it's also if you're a remender head, you're gonna love this. This is just uh really fun. Uh, it's a nice, just kind of homage to the amazing ride we've been on with remender over the years.
1: I love this, especially as a standalone issue where uh Rick remender sort of bends the story toward him to tell something. I mean, he's a he's a writer that writes definitely from his personal experience, he's always has, especially on this book. And uh, to see it here, it feels like he's bending it toward him. And then for the last issue to end, everything is going to bend it right back toward the character. So I, I thought this was a great issue. It felt like a standalone almost.
0: Blink, number one, from Oni Press, written by Chris hey. Christopher Sabella, art by Hayden Sherman. We just talked about this on our live show, but if you haven't checked out the book, it is a found footage horror book. Guys trying to track down a building where I believe his parents were last seen, and some horrible things go down from there. I know we give this big ups on the show, but be honest now.
2: Okay, really? yeah, now that he's not here, listen, I just wanted to say, like, <laughs> this really fucked me up. And, uh, yeah, I was, I'm super scared to hear him talk about the lost footage stuff, like, really made sense. Uh, it was a big aha moment for me in the interview because there are, like, Panels in here that are very much kind of uh, all all about that, and uh, yeah, this book is a, a gotcha book. It makes you jump. It uh, it messes with you, and uh, it really draws you in until this kind of like creepy magical world in such a
1: great way. Arts uh, beyond ban- bananas, good, super scary book. I mean, we talked about it on the live show, but like uh, a book that combines a lot of nightmare logic. At the same time, just like technology meets life in a scary way, uh, it, it's great. And
0: Hayden Sherman's layouts, we talked about this a bunch on the live show as well, are very cool. There's some so, amazing double-bait sprays so
2: out here. Very and so it's almost like a kind of like what batwoman uh was but this is more of a indie horror tripped out Mm -hmm. feel that uh just you know like college clashes should be uh holding this book up as like examples of creativity and and uh, the way to do kind of horror in different
0: genres and to be clear we're talking about like econ 101 right like those sort of classes
1: Uh, yeah I don't, know really I don't know what classes, all right? I mean, I think we all really mastered uh, economics, the economy. Like, we're <laughs> pros. When it comes to money, like, we get Oh, it. Yeah, we yeah, we're doing great. I'm doing a comic book podcast in the pitch dark, so I definitely get money.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, not to uh, uh, move money. away from the comics, uh, you just turned off your volume, took out your earphones, and looked up in the dark. Is a bat going to pick you up and pull you away?
1: Honestly, I think it's a Batman. I'm a little oh, worried. Really i hard. I earlier I robbed a I'm bank Batman. and I am sitting on a bunch of bags of coins, you know, with with a dollar <laughs> sign drawn on the you, outside. And I think do. this Batman's that's trying to catch me. Oh,
0: that guy. The dark knight. The swamp thing. Number 15 oh,
1: oh, wow. from I'm like a, but I'm sort of like a Riddler, but I do wordles. I'm like a wordler. You know, wow. Wordle from the New York Times. No, no, I know. You guys are cool with puzzles. I like right? the spelling bee. Oh, boy. The Swamp
0: Thing, <laughs> number 15 from DC Comics, written by Ram V. Art by Mike Perkins. This is the second to last issue of this as Swamp Thing, now with Green Lantern powers. Takes down the Parliament of Machines, or at least tries to, as well as wrestling with his brother. The big standout for me in this book, as always, is Mike Perkins' art, Uh, which is awesome.
1: Come on! So many tiny things to draw.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I love this. uh, You can't say enough (laughs) about the art. What if Uh, that was all we said about it? Right. Uh, so many tiny things to drop. Blah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> a fun giant swamp thing. This is really good conflict, smart resolution. You gotta listen, bro.
1: To be concluded, this I've really loved this run in general, and I think um a swamp thing is a character in a title that, like, has great runs on it. Like, shout out, obviously, Alan Moore. Uh, His name is still on that. But even after that, Charles Soule and, uh, like, so many characters, uh, so many writers that have come in and really left a mark. And I think uh, this run by uh, Ram V is, is right up there, and I've been really enjoying it.
0: Radiant Black, number 16, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, art by Marcelo Costa. In this issue, Radiant Black thinks everything is going swimmingly, only to have a villain team-up that he has to deal with. Once again, huge swerve in this issue. I love how they keep changing things up dramatically. You know, we've talked about this a lot, but Radiant Black is this rapidly growing universe inside the image universe. But We're about love- to cover
1: most of it most in of one, it, yeah. In a series of books.
0: But I'll tell you what, I love the fact that despite that, they're making sure that Radiant Black is taking big swings. It's not like, yeah, we have all these other books we can kind of coast. They are not coasting at all.
1: 100%. And I think if you like Spider Man, and especially since Spider Man is dealing with some. Like uh, uh, larger problems. If you like the the tone of a Peter Parker who is like dealing with his own life stuff, having some fun while he fights a bunch of villains in that are increasingly interesting and different, read this book. This book carries the Spider Man torch in a way that I think is fantastic.
2: Uh yeah, I agree. This is continues to be a badass book that really takes. Uh, different turns and keeps you guessing and and all the right ways and it's really impressive to see all the different kind of characters and how they all kind of deal with uh, being radiant black I i uh, continue to be impressed by this art is bananas good tons of action
0: always The Wrong Earth, meet number one from Ahoy Comics, written by Tom Payer, art by Greg Scott. In this issue, we're getting our two Batman stand-ins called Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, dealing with some issues with their sidekick in very different ways. What do you guys think about this?
2: Yeah, this is just really creative and uh, kind of crazy cool. Um, You know, it, it deals with a lot. The art is really good and gritty and fucked up. And uh, it's also got this crazy fun meat backdrop, which everybody can
1: appreciate. Ah, oh, it's like a garbage plate, but in a comic book form, right, Pete? you um, damn right. I think these, uh, these comics uh, are doing a great job of just, like, looking at comics and looking at how we deal with... You know, your basic sort of like what's it like to be a hero all the way up to like Crisis on Infinite Earths and like all this uh, other higher continuity level stuff. This comic examines them and, and makes fun of them, but also makes you think about them in a great way.
0: The Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country, number four from DC Comics, written by James the Fourth, art by Lissandro Esteren. In this issue, our main characters have head to a remote location to ostensibly hide away from the two killers on their trail, only to have some twists and turns there. Um, this book is terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's I, a great moment in this issue where someone's like, no, I, I got to know what that dude with the tongue eyes is all about. And that's. I'm here for that. hundred percent. That's me. I'm, I'm that's me. I real I, I, I wrote down
2: nope, this is too fucking scary. Just I mean, bananas art, but too creepy in here. It's just too creepy and badass last page.
0: Wow. I love I love the idea of having a Corinthian book, because that's essentially what this is. Like, you could call this the yeah. Sandman universe, the Corinthian, and be totally fine. But focusing on that character, looping us into his world, and adding some new characters there is... Great. I am absolutely loving this horrifying ride. Radiant Red, number five, from Image Comics, written by Cherish Chen, art by David LaFuente. This is wrapping up the run of this spinoff book of Radiant Black, focusing on the Radiant, who is also a criminal. Things tie up here with a big slam-bam fight. Were you going to say dunk? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was A slam-bam
2: you say it slam bam? It was. It's the old slam bam. <laughs> Did you call a real, this a slam bam? Yeah, it's a real right. slam bam. Well, I, bam. if I can try to get us back on track a little bit here, oh uh, boy! I, I love. Oh, the... I went very wow, wrong. With Pete's are we getting that me? far gone?
1: Are right, we that I, I, far
2: gone? I really like the the different art tone that we get to this book. It still very much feels in there in the radiant world, but it's kind of a uh, a cool take on it and. I'm just really impressed with what the characters go through and the kind of trials and tribulations in this issue. Love the art. Love the action. They're taking big swings, just like in the big Radiant Black title. This this is awesome. It's Radiant Black sets a high bar, and these spinoffs, like normally with a spinoff, you're like, all right, well, it's not going to be as good, but I'll still probably like it. It really sets it just as high as the main title and, and is so enjoyable.
1: Um, I, I think the character, the characterizations here are so good. Like I really love radiant red, the choices that she makes over the course of it, the way she talks about her relationship is so good and so well done and great action on top of it. And, uh, the way, like, I love her, the use of her powers, the sort of, I won't spoil it, but the way that she sort of wins, I thought was really well done. It reminded me of like breaking bad, better call Saul. Mm-hmm. shows that I've done. Oh, shit. Think. Oh, yeah.
0: shit. That's a good call out. And I think this is going to be another good one to check out and trade in particular. Moving on to one that I know is one of Pete's favorites, A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number 10 for Image Comics oh, written by Rick Remender, oh, art by Andre Lima Arujo. In this, oh, we're picking up last issue, our main character and his young Ward were hiding out, just having a nice time. When his mom showed up, we talked about what is going on with the cliffhanger. Well, we find out what is going on with that cliffhanger, this issue, and it is bloody and horrifying, as you might expect, leading to an ending that you definitely wouldn't expect. Pete, fucking Rick Remender,
2: man. Rip out your fucking heart, man. This was so intense. I've been loving these issues, but man, this has just been a whole nother level Uh, I love the sparsity of the dialogue and the -the over-the-top action. This comic has been so tense, so insane, and this is such an an extension and a heightening of that. Could not believe it. Uh, Just could not believe the twists and turns that we go on. Holy
1: shit, Rick Remender. Holy fucking shit. It's like he's been holding our heart the whole time, (laughs) is what I'm saying. Like all of his books, it's like you get to the issue and you're like, wow, that's it? And you look up and you're like, I've been squeezing your heart for like um, 10 issues, (laughs) and now I'm going to throw it in the garbage. And um, (laughs) to take your uh, review, Pete, just really uh, capitalize on it. Great art and um, another story where you really feel for a character, and then it's very hard to read the issue that shows us their fate.
0: Rogue Son, number six from Image Comics, written by Ryan Parrott, art by Abel. In this issue, our main character, Rogue Son, is dealing not only with the ghost of his father, who's telling him to do stuff, but also that his mom is a supervillain who killed his dad. He is torn between both parents and has to choose one over the other. This is a big climactic issue of this book. That is reminiscent, I would say, of the epic, I think it was issue 12 and 13 of Invincible, where he had to fight his dad. Oh, yeah. Maybe not quite on that level, but it's definitely like aiming for the same sort of thing. And I think it comes close to achieving that. What do you guys think about this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Rogue Son, but it's really about Rogue Son, S-O-N. But man. uh, Oh, shit. Do you you think?
1: Oh, wow.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. Because of the power, so it's S U N because he's got some flame powers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he can torture you. you um, like a son. But he's yeah. also a son. He's, but a, and son, a, son. he's a son, right? But well, he's son. sort of
0: blushing, so it's like rouge son. Oh, it's like oh, rouge son. You know, you yeah.
2: ruined it. I was having some fun, and then you <laughs>
0: fucked me on the, the oh, rouge thing. He,
2: yeah, was... he, yeah. he fucked you. He fucked you on the rouge thing. <laughs> he, he did. You're he saying did. he, did. he yeah. fucked yeah. you? That's what you said. Yeah, he fucked you on that. I heard what I said.
0: You feel all the listeners out there are like, man, Pete was on a real roll with that rogue son bed, and then Alex fucked
1: him. Yeah, Alex. Just let it be known on this episode of the stack, Alex (laughs) fucked Pete. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's just the classic. We were having a good time, and then Alex walked in the room. So I I think it was one of those things where you know we're never,
1: we're always in the room. There's never a time in our lives when we're not in the same room, Pete. So don't when you guys are when Alex is fucking you, I'm watching. (laughs) Oh wow, Uh, some great splash pages. When you looked down,
0: there was one set of footprints because I was fucking you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, i haven't heard the second half of that famous poem but that makes a lot of sense
2: uh um, yeah we kind of really get down to the family matters of it all in this issue and
1: uh pete you know, committed uh, to the review of this comic <clears> they <throat> <laughs> could stop it from finishing it up
2: uh yeah i i uh i really have been enjoying this and uh the artist uh and continues to be bananas
1: um Yes, agreed. Uh I also enjoyed this. I think this comic really escalated from a sort of pretty uh standard um superhero adventure uh, fight comic into a very intense emotional family drama that I was very surprised to find it to be continued at the end of this issue.
0: I'm excited to see where it goes next and yeah. I'm excited for you listeners to join us in the next episode. Find out what happens after Alex fucks Pete. If you'd like to support this podcast, (laughs) patreon.com slash comic comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7pm to broadcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app. If your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was there the whole time. Oh, man.